Welcome to Skull Stories, presented by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we're speaking with former Vikings cornerback Antonio Banks. Well, the Vikings won a big one on Sunday, walking off against the Green Bay Packers 34-31. The Justin Jefferson-Kirk Cousins connection led the charge, while Greg Joseph nailed the 20-yard field goal to seal the deal. Cousins 24-35, 341 yards passing, three passing TDs. Dalvin Cook, 22 carries, 86 rushing yards, also a couple good receptions. Jefferson, you know, what are you going to say? Eight receptions, 169 yards, 104 of which I believe he had in the first half. Then that first big reception he had, I got to point it out again, but an unbelievable blitz pickup by Dalvin Cook. You know, Dalvin Cook, he, I think, is still the heart and soul of this offense as much as Justin Jefferson is producing. He he adds so much. Thielen, eight receptions, 82 yards. In a touchdown, I like that because when they got him on one on one with 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 Kevin King, that was a matchup that he won consistently. And when a lot of eyes were on Justin Jefferson, they let that matchup kind of go one on one, and Thielen took advantage of that. And that's that balance. You know, it's not just balance between running and throwing; it's a balance between where you throw and how you throw it. So that was that's very very positive. Rodgers, you know, from a stat standpoint, he had a he had a great day: three hundred eighty five passing yards, four touchdowns. But he wasn't moving like he like he used to, and I think he would have. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a one hundred percent Rogers performance. That being said, the last four drives were ninety five yards, eighty five yards, eighty four yards, and seventy five yards. It was a little bit of feast or famine, I would say, on that end. Um, but well, Rogers is good. Well, we just finished what many called the difficult quote unquote part of our schedule, two and two, and made it back to five hundred. Uh, on tap are the 5-5 five and five 49ers headed out to San Francisco, a place where we've had issues in recent history. But first, let's catch up with our guest of the evening. He's a former Vikings cornerback whose journey through the professional football led him all over the world. He's currently coaching down in Kansas and helping to pass along what he's learned to the next generation. I know you're really going to enjoy my conversation with one of my favorite teammates, Antonio Banks. Banksy, what's up? What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> oh, man, just coaching this football, man. It's in my blood, man. I can't <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been around it for quite some time. You're at Virginia Tech from 93 to 96, um, drafted in the fourth round here in 1997. Unfortunately, what you had, you went on IR your rookie year, um, but you went on to play 98 through 2000. Played in all six of the playoff games. So you were you were the big game guy. You were only right. You were only, you only got out of bed for the big games, right? <laughs> hey, hey, man, Pete, man, it's it just one of those things, man. Where you know I was limited when it comes to talent, and, and I just try to work from practice and, and uh, give Benny a reason to bring me back. Um, you know, once he released me um, before the open day games, and, and I had the opportunity to come back. I guess that '98 team, I didn't come back until like week ten. I went up to Canada for, you know, nine nine weeks or so. And then I just said, we, we bad up here. So I decided to leave and went home. <laughs> like it's I, cold. I security. Oh, man, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And not only that, we was losing, you know what I mean? So oh, I, man. I get out of here. So I just went back home. And and, uh, and and once I got back home, my agent called me and said, hey, something happened in Minnesota. I think somebody got hurt and uh, they want to bring you back. And I said, oh, you know, when do I fly out? Right. And uh, just because I knew the, I knew the system and I was a, a special teams guy, man, I was able to come back and, and play in the first game uh, once I returned. So I had a great run and had opportunity to play in the playoff games. And obviously, you know, we come down to 
the game against the Falcons, man, and that thought we were going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, and, and, and Gary misses a kick that he hadn't missed any field goals all year long, 30-some yards. I was like, wow, it must not meant to be, you know. So, right. Um, went on from there, man, and had an opportunity to come back the next year. I think I got released again. I went out to Oakland uh, for a couple of weeks, and then uh, Coach Solomon, who was a DB coach, called me. And he said, hey, <laughs> Uh, where you doing? <laughs> I said, uh, I, I said, I'm out here in Oakland uh, on the practice card. He said, uh, you, you, you trying to come back? <laughs> no, I, That's exactly how he said it, too. <laughs> exactly. And I said, uh, and, I, and, I, and I knew at the time, you know, Oakland, you know, we we wasn't going to the playoff. I was like, hey, y'all about to go back and get some of this playoff. <laughs> hey, there <laughs> you go. Back, get some of this playoff money. Yep. And um and, and I actually I came back, I think we ended up playing the, the same old charges that year, that that week when I came back and I came like flew in like on a Tuesday and I still played in that game on a Sunday and um Coach Lawner, who was the special teams coordinator, I ended up getting the special teams player of the game. So it was one of the things, man, where yeah. I was always grinding. You had those you free know, you had the fresh legs, man. Right? You came in, came in, <laughs> oh, fresh yeah, legs. I didn't have no camp. Uh, they weren't so fresh, though, Pete, because I got – I don't know if you remember, when we played the Jets um, in preseason, I, I tore my uh, groin muscle, and that's why I that's got right. released. That's right. Um, you know, on the injury reserve, so – How, the, how the hell do you tear a groin muscle, for God's sake? Pete, you see how I was built, Pete. I was tight, <laughs> tight, tight, tight. <laughs> it, you bring, you, and you bring up a good point because your nickname, um, or one of the nicknames that you had was Back Tight. And I remember Walshie just just running around, you know, just back tight. But anytime, anytime we were uh, not feeling well, or our backs were tight. We'd always just say back tight, and we knew exactly what that well, meant. You, you got to tell the whole story of how I got that name. How um, the the late uh, Freddie. Yes, Zabilotti just used to run the dog crap out of me in training camp, man. Well, it, I couldn't practice. Freddie had a Freddie had a philosophy. If you didn't practice and you were with the with the hurt guys, it was worse than being in practice. Way yes, worse. I remember one day seeing seeing Everett Lindsay walk up and down the stairs over at Winter Park with Freddie on his back. Right, he couldn't oh. he, he couldn't run, but he could walk. So Freddie's like, all right, he jumped on his back, and Everett's carrying him up. I mean, oh my god, five yards, put your hand down, go. But you know, you think, oh, it's oh, not a big deal. Hey. But you do that for about an hour and what? a half. What? <laughs> and, and and then you know, if if you wasn't on the the, the active picture three, you had to win those. Uh, oh, the, what was it called? The gassers, the three fifties. Oh, yeah, man. the three. Fi- I'm sorry, the three fifties. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, like come on. Everybody be out there. You'd have that Saturday practice. That was a walkthrough, and yep. then you, you know yep. the, those yep. of us that had to run the three fifties because I ran many of them, especially my rookie year. We had like our track <laughs> shoes on, and we were like all you know. You had the on that hard turf, <laughs> on that hard turf. You know what I mean? DMSO. Like, you were all. I mean, you were just like it's I game day. I spent a lot of time with Freddie, man. I spent my whole rookie year was with Freddie. The whole training camp I was with Freddie. So, oh. You know, but it, it built a lot of mental toughness. Uh, that's for sure. Because it was mornings where I didn't want to get out of bed. I was like, man, hell with this, man. Right. Yeah. No, it, 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 yeah, you're right. Because I, I already knew, you know, my routine was already set out. Like, damn, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go through team scratch, and then I'm with Freddie for the rest of the practice. <laughs> 
and he got me pushing the he got me pushing the golf cart, you know, oh, yep. with him mm-hmm. on it. And he's constantly hitting the brake. Like Freddie, why you keep hitting the brake? As soon as you get it going, you know, moving, he gonna hit the brake. So, yeah. like, it's not like he didn't weigh three hundred pounds and already slowed it down uh, enough, but no, he oh, had to ride the brakes yeah, on you. Yeah, definitely one of those. Your first start was 1999 at Kansas City. What do you remember about that game? Yeah. First of all, I remember it was cold. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm getting a chance to start. Graciously, I was playing behind uh, one of the best strong states in Minnesota like, in history, Robert Griffin. He, you know, he decided, it's okay, Banks, I'll go ahead and play free. I, you know, I get in the game. I, I thought, I think I had like nine tackles. You know, I made a couple of, but I was, you know, I was just trying to do my part, man, and try to eliminate all of the mental mistakes I was going to have. I knew they was going to come, but. Just try to play hard, try to play fast, and then obviously we end up losing in what overtime, I believe, or something like that. Yeah. But uh, it was man, it was just great just being with the brothers, man. It was great to try to go out there and to do my part, whatever big or small it was. I was just trying to go out there and, and not mess it up. That was the game that Moss had that punt return for a touchdown. Yeah, had the punt return, yeah. We make some key blocks and, and try to get them, spring them loose, and you know that's when. Um, Toss through, he couldn't he couldn't block fifty eight that day. So it was fun. <laughs> there weren't there weren't too many people that could block him on a on a daily basis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I thought he was offside, man. He was getting off the ball so fast, no oh. So he was offside. Either that, you like, man, how many guys coming off his head over here? <laughs> oh, no kidding. Oh yeah. uh, man, but, but yeah, and and uh, it was it was crazy uh, because I thought I, I was good enough to lease the, the honor another starter with her because I think. Uh, you know the late OT Thomas. Yeah. Um, you know wasn't fully fully healthy with his hamstring. He was dealing with some hamstring, but you know, co- but you know, Griff he didn't want to play. He didn't really want. He didn't really like playing free safety because you know he liked being down in the box. You know back then, you know you had the box safeties. You know yeah. not like today, where everybody needs to know how to cover. But uh, I lived my dream. You know of, of making it to the National Football League. Had a chance to start. So at that point in time, man, he like you take me. You know I don't. Uh, did what I wanted to do in life, and, and that was ever since I was eight years old. Was, was making to the NFL. So you know, a lot of people think you know once you make it to the NFL, you got to be a millionaire. Like, nah, man, that's like the one percent. Nope. <laughs> you know, you know what I know, Pete. You know, like, uh, right. that's like the one percent of the guys that that got that generational wealth. Right. You know? And and the guys like us, we the ones that really make it go because you know we doing all the hard stuff or all the grunt work, which is running our special teams. Back in the day when you had to break up a wedge. The good old days. Yeah, man, I, I played with some crazy guys. You, Harold, Harold Merrill, and, and Chris Walshie. And, <laughs> and, man, you guys was crazy in that special teams, man. Y'all go down, Harold try to run right into it, flip over. I'm like, man, I ain't doing all that. <laughs> hey, Gary, put me out here at the one and the two. I'm not going to break no head. <laughs> I'm good. And, no. You know, your, you know, head start running. You know, it was, right? it was like a, a, car, a car crash, basically. Yeah. It was just crazy, yeah. you know. But I, I had a good time, man, and, and I had an opportunity to get a couple of special team balls just because of, you know, just my willingness to go down and, and do those things, man, and make tackles and go out there and be on punt team and punt return team, kick over team. So, hey, everything I had to do, I was, I was trying to do it, Pete. There you, you know go. That is. Skull Stories is presented all season long by Cambria, proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more Skull Stories right after this. It's football season at Mystic Lake with Vikings Drawings. Enter casino and digital drawings for prizes like season tickets, away game trips, and an ice castle fish house. Get details and enter now at mysticlake.com slash vikings. Now let's get back into our conversation with Antonio Banks. 
your coaching career started as an intern with the Vikings in 2004. Is that correct? That is correct. Hi. Wow, you did your research, Pete. Well, I got Tom West here. He Westy does all the research. He's the walking <laughs> Wikipedia. Yes, and, and you know, at that time, you know, uh, Coach Tice was the head coach, and um, I saw Tice down at the Senior Bowl. Not yeah, the Senior Bowl, and he said, "Basie, you know, how you doing?" I told him, "I say hey, I'm trying to, you know, bring into this uh, coaching thing." And boy, said, all right, okay, you come on over, and uh, you can do that. Bill Walsh intern with us doing camp and stuff, and. And the rest is history, man. And I've been coaching ever since, you know. Not just coaching domestically. I mean, I'm reading through, and it's a, you, you've coached in Cairo, played in Amsterdam, yeah. Frankfurt, Montreal. I mean, yeah. you've been you've been kind of well, everywhere, haven't you? Well, you know, back then, Pete, you know, they had the uh, the NFL World League and uh, yep. NFL Europe. And, and what happened was one of the rules was if you allocate players to play in this league, you get a, you know an extra couple of weeks before you can cut have to cut now. You know those. Guys don't cut against the cut date. Right. So Minnesota will allocate certain guys to go over and play. And so I'm basically playing football year round. I leave from playing during the, 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 the fall season. And then I'm right back at it right in the spring, man. And then as soon as I leave from over there, I'm right back in the training camp. So it, it was football 12 months, man. Right. Football 12 months. And, uh, and so getting back to the college thing was one of those things where. I had just returned from Toronto because I, I, I took some time off. I went to Toronto. I started a, a speed training company for a while, and, and then I saw I'm tired of this. So I was like, well, I had an opportunity. Well, basically, it was a free trip. Who, who doesn't want to go to Egypt? You know right, right. So I, I, you know, and I was like, what did they do playing football in Egypt? But when I went over there, I met a great group of guys, and um, they was willing to learn the game, and I was you know, coaching guys from 18 to 35. I believe the old guy was on the team was like 35. <laughs> they ran, you know, it, you know, it was just weird. Like some of them went to school, some of them ran businesses over there, some of them worked with their parents. Um, but it was a great opportunity to go over there for a year and and just help them learn base, the basic fundamentals of NFL football right. or American football. Should I, say. I mean, you've been it, you've played it, you've coached it. Do you think that there is an appetite for American football outside of the United States? In the right market, I think uh, in London, I think they're doing it the right way with, you know, obviously having the American game go over there three times a year, now, I think, now uh, to play NFL game, and they play in Wembley or around the U.K., and then they also have a program now called the Pathway Program, which guys from overseas, they come over to the to the U.S., and they go through the – they get to get on the roster for the year. I know for a roster, I don't know if you know this, but they get on the NFL roster, and it's building, man. It's building, I think. It's going to come a time where they actually expand to probably over to the, the UK. Let me ask you this though: What is it about it? What is it about coaching that you love? To be in it and do it, the what as long as you have what you know, what is it? The feeling of just giving back, man, and uh, helping someone else chase their dreams, and try to achieve their goals. Um, you learn a lot about life through football. You know, what I mean, about commitment, being on time, like just a lot of things that goes into football that you can translate over to actual real life situations so for me man it just taking someone you know that might be from lesser environment and give give them the structure to go out here and say hey man you have a chance to make it if you know you take care of your school work obviously you still preach that you still preach that and you try to get one percent better every day and eventually you'll get to you whatever that goal is it might not be football it could be something else but because you put in this grind it's going to help you become a much better person. I love all of them, uh, all the guys I've coached, just because they all have something special to me. Each each one of them, I can call them on the phone right now and talk to them. 
just about life and not always about football. It's right. Like, how you doing? How you feeling doing? Um, those things, man. And, and just, just know that I'm, I'm trying to be more than the coach to him and not just say, I was a guy that just yelling at him all the time, you know? And I think, you know, Peter's crazy because a lot of it just comes from how was I coached as a, as a player, you know what I mean? And being around guys like Denny, yep. uh, Coach Solomon, and, and some of the other guys that I've been fortunate to be coached by, man. So I think I, you take a part of each coach and you make it a part of your, your coach's uh, status as far as, like, how you want to try to groom players that you're coaching, you know? It's not easy. Now it's probably even harder now because of the way the game has changed as far as the you know the physicality of it. Yeah. You know I mean? It's not the same. My last question for you, Banksy, what'd you take away from Denny? Give me one or two examples of stuff or things and what did you take away from playing with Denny Green? He was a man of integrity, man. Uh, uh, when I went into his office the day I was getting released, you know, he you know, he gave you know, they give you the conversation of, you know, hey, appreciate everything you've done for us, blah blah blah. And then he told me, he said, hey, son, he said, don't give up on your dream. And if there's an opportunity for me to bring you back, I will. And um, that stuck with me because, you know, something had happened with another position or whatever. And, you know, and, and he gave me a call to come back. So, and, and not only that, you know, he went down to Arizona. He gave me another internship to come down there and work for him, you know. So, yeah. it, you know, it's just, just being a man of integrity, man. Like, a, I never had a father figure in the sense so. For me, man, he was just like a father figure that I never had. You know, just he just led by example on the way he controlled, you know, grown men as far as getting them to maximize their talents, man, was just amazing to see. Everybody wants to learn to carry their own water. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Just stuff like that, man. The stuff right. he just said in the meeting room is like, wow, this is, you know, and he never had a, you know, if you look at it, he never really had a losing, a losing season in Minnesota. You know? You're right. So, it's one of those man where you know I'm just great, you know, honored to be in this presence as, as a player, man. Because I, I I believe a lot of that stuff plays to how I try to treat guys, you know, uh, that I coach. Well, Antonio Banks, Banksy, thanks for thanks for man. being on. You got a you get a chance to come back. You got to see the facility, the stadium. I don't know if you've been up here yet to see what they've where done. Where I been? Well, you know where they had that 1998 reunion, which is a couple years. That's right. I came That's up. right. And, and it's always a pleasure to come back, man, and see my brothers. Hey, man. Hey, Pete. All right. Man. It's great, great talking, talking to you, man. You take tell, care of yourself. Back tight, yeah. All right. I got. I have your number, so I'm gonna. I'll shoot you a text. So you have my info. Back. Tight. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right, bye. Thanks again to Antonio Banks for joining us tonight. It's uh, it's just great to hear his voice once again, and I know he'll continue to do great things. He loves the game of football, and we'll, we'll pass that on at Garden City um, Community College down in Kansas. So. All right, let's take a look at our Northern Tool and Equipment Keys to Success. Northern Tool and Equipment brings the power with top brands like Milwaukee, Steel, Lincoln Electric, Honda, and more. Northern Tool and Equipment, quality tools for serious work. So we're headed to the Bay this weekend to continue our winning ways. That so, feels so good to say that. Um, the Niners, however, have been a bit of a thorn in our side, uh, winning two of the last three games since 2015. Uh, they're currently tied with the Vikings. We're both looking at five and five, meaning you know this this matchup obviously uh, has huge implications for wild card playoffs. I think we took care of uh, one of those teams in Carolina. Um, we all you know we play these guys, and then later on we play the Rams as well. So we have it, it, you're fortunate 
when your destiny is in your own hands. You know, overall, Jimmy G has been playing well the last four weeks, going three and one during that stretch. Um, he is an efficient quarterback. I mean, 16 to 22, 176 yard passing, two passing touchdowns. Their running game is the key factor, and, and their passing game starts off the running game. Garoppolo is not the kind of guy that's going to pick you apart on the outside. Guys like George Kittle, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, they're just they're not as physical as I remember them being. They're good, you know what I mean. But I think that's a that's a matchup that the Vikings have to take advantage of, and it's it's a matchup that we have that I don't think we've had the last few times that we've gone out there. So they're going to try to run the football, and then they always have a passing game based off of that. So you just have to read your keys and be physical, and and I. I think we can we can slow down and defensively, you know, take the pressure off of our offense because the offense is going to face, let's face it, a very athletic, athletic 49ers defense. You know, Debo Samuel is kind of their Swiss Army knife of football players. They can put him everywhere, but Ayuk is the guy that's um that that's a good route runner and he's definitely their their best receiving threat. Um defensively, this is the thing. You know, we've third straight week, we face the third ranked passing defense, and and a lot of it is is uh, about protecting Cousins and giving him time. You saw on that last drive the couple of runs that Dalvin had, how important it was, and how the runs earlier in the game kind of kind of set the table for that, where he could take an off-tackle run and get six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards on it. And that's fatigue. I mean, Kenny Clark was murdering us early in that game. But when you, you you keep them on the field and keep them running, they can't. They they just don't. Guys these days just don't keep up that tempo. If you keep moving those sticks, that allows you to take the deep shots on first down and not feel like you're going to be putting yourself in a, in a predicament on second and third. You're absolutely right. You know, yeah, you throw if yeah, the incomplete. We've seen how many times have we seen an incomplete pass on first down. Try to throw a screen or something else, and then you're staring third and seven, third and ten in the face, and it's a completely different call sheet. It's a completely different game. If you're staring third and long in the face all day long, it, it, it's it's not easy. So um, San Fran has been bitten by the injury bug all season long. You got to pay attention to you see if Mitchell or Hasty, uh, the running backs, are playing. Cornerback Devontae Harris has been big, you know, big loss for them. Hopefully, you know, for them. And in this day and age, you got to be healthy, and the healthy teams have an advantage, and we're, uh, knock on wood, definitely healthy. This is a 325 start in Santa Clara, so be sure to join Paul Allen, Ben Lieber, Mike Musman, Greg Coleman, and myself on the KFAN pregame show and broadcast all across the Vikings radio network. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Skull Stories presented by Cambria. Proud to be the official countertop of the Minnesota Vikings. Have a great and safe Thanksgiving, and we will see you all again next week.